sizes and training for maritime accidents. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning, this is Money for Nothing, and I am Renita Malhotra-Hora. Welcome to a brand new week of exciting news in the markets. In the headlines today, the U.S. will be joined by partners should it choose to go the way of airstrikes against ISIS. G20 sees possible market risks as uneven growth keeps interest rates low. And Alibaba starts off with a bang, jumping 38% on its first day of trading. My guest host this morning is Richard Harris of Port Shelter Investment Management. Good morning, Richard. Good morning, Renita. Happy Monday. Happy Monday to you. And what an exciting Monday it is. Today we'll be looking at uh, Alibaba's listing debut with Lulu Chen of Bloomberg News. Then we're joined by Barry Wood, our international economics correspondent. And later in the program, we'll look at the benefits of PayPal for small businesses with Lizette Smooks of Innovations. But before we get into the top stories, Richard, can you give us a rundown of how markets fared over the weekend? Yes, indeed. I mean, last week was a fairly dull week, and that was represented on Friday as well. The Dow Jones uh, finished at 17,279. The Nikkei this morning is up, uh, is down a touch at uh, 16,280. And the Hang Seng obviously last week ended at 24,306. The euro's at one. Uh, dollar 284, Japanese yen 108.94, uh, British pound is at 163 um, to the US dollar, and that's uh, 12.64 to sterling. Brent crude is 98.06, and gold uh, $1,215. Okay, thanks, Richard. So let's look at the top news stories for the day. Samantha Power, US ambassador to the UN, said that the US would have partners in any airstrikes against Islamic State forces in Syria. She spoke on ABC TV this week program. The Iraqis have appealed to the international community to come to their defense, not only in Iraq, but also to go after safe havens in foreign countries. And what they mean by that, of course, is Syria, and they're quite explicit about that. So they have made an appeal to the international community for collective uh, defense, and we think we have a legal basis we need uh, if the president decides. Without a UN authorization? Consistent with the UN Charter, we, we, it will depend on the facts and circumstances of any particular strike in Syria, but we have the legal basis we need. As Secretary Kerry said on Friday, as the President has made clear, every country can contribute something to this effort, and there's universal support, I think, but, for degrading and destroying this group. But we might have to do the airstrikes alone. Not even Great Britain has said they're going to join the airstrikes. I will, I will make you a prediction, George, which is that we will not do the airstrikes alone. The G20 group of financial chiefs and central bankers said that low interest rates could lead to a potential increase in financial market risk as major economies rely on monetary stimulus to bolster uneven growth. G20 said they could overcome geopolitical tensions and financial risks to achieve extra combined growth of 1.8%, adding trillions of dollars to the world economy. Here's IMF Managing Director Christine Lagarde. You have asynchronicity between the various central banks. Some of them have begun, are in the process of beginning to withdraw from their quantitative easing uh, programs. That is the case for the Bank of England and now for the, uh, for, and very soon for the Fed. Whereas at the other end, uh, the ECB and uh, Bank of Japan are going to continue uh, to um, 
to be to have more accommodative uh, monetary policies. Uh, we believe that uh, central banks do have the tools, particularly the macroprudential tools, to actually react to potential uh, you know, excess uh, valuation in various corners of the market. And they've all committed to uh, potentially use them if and when necessary. So we believe that they are equipped uh, to deal with some of those potential risks. And closer to home, but still on distant shores, Alibaba has started trading with a bang. Shares of the Chinese e-commerce company have soared 47% in the first 10 minutes of trading Friday and closed up 38% at $93.89 after having hit a high of $99 earlier in the day. Here's Chairman and Co-Founder Jack Ma speaking from the floor of the exchange. I believe that 15 years ago that Internet is going to change China. It's going to improve the world. Whether you believe or not, whether we will succeed or not, but somebody will succeed. So if you don't work hard, if you don't keep on working every day, nobody has a chance. So we are, we are, I never know that we will be here today. So Jack Ma talked about the issues of being a global company and dealing with the Chinese government. Well, being a global company dealing with any government is difficult. So as it's a great opportunity if you deal with the government well and communicate with them, listen to their problem, solve their problems, tell them their, your problems. That's opportunity for communication. That's what we survived in the past 15 years. Always try to say, in love with the government, but don't marry with them. I mean, this is, this is our philosophy, making sure that you solve the problem they want to solve. And when it comes to U.S. expansion, Ma says that things are already underway. We already started helping a lot of small business in the U.S. In California, in Washington State, we sell American cherries and we're selling Alaska seafood. And we want to sell more things. We're coming here not to compete. We're coming here to help a lot of small business, which I think a lot of things need, need to be done. It's not about competition. So let's bring in Lulu Chen now. She is a reporter from Bloomberg News. Good morning, Lulu. Good morning. Thanks for joining us on Money for Nothing. And uh, you're here to discuss perhaps the most exciting story of, I don't know, the week, the month, the year. <laughs> so Lulu, analysts at Cantor Fitzgerald have already put on a target price of $90 for uh, the next 12 months. The stock is now at 93.89. At what point does it become overvalued? Well, if you look at the price right now with that 38% jump, it does give them a market value of $230 billion, and that makes Alibaba larger than Facebook and also Amazon and eBay combined. Uh, Whatever discount it had uh, at the pricing of the IPO, it's all erased. And also, it does make Jack Ma China's richest man uh, currently. So what does that mean for the lay investors? Have we missed the boat? Um, well, um, there are a couple of reasons why the share price jumped so much on the first day of trading debut. Um, if you look at what Jack Ma said before, he always said that he didn't want the price, the share price too aggressively, um, maybe to avoid a flop like Facebook did in the first days of IPO where its share price is actually jumped after uh, a flop after a listing in the uh, following months. And also, in terms of the uh, investors that they were attracting, these were mostly predominantly um, institutional investors that were going to um, hold on the shares for a long-term investment purpose. Uh, according to our sources, more than 25, per, uh, tw- uh, more than half the shares came from 25 funds, and that's what led to some of the smaller investors who couldn't get hold of the shares to inflate the prices. And then also in terms of um, what 
people really thought about the share price. Uh, the initial pricing of $68, that gave Alibaba only a uh, 29 times price ratio. Um, and that compares with Tencent that had 37 and then also Amazon at 135 So all these factors made people think that the price was lucrative at the time. But right now, all that discount is all erased. And for, from now going forward, it's, uh, it's all about what the company can provide in terms of growth going, going forward. Lulu, we are talking about uh, what the company can provide. Jack Ma mentioned there a little bit about um, uh, moving more into overseas businesses. But he does have a huge business in China. Do you think he's going to focus on China or, or do you think this is the time and maybe he will make some investments overseas? Um, well, China is his home base, so that is something that he has to um, he has to have a dominance over. Um, but in terms of where future growth is coming from, um, Jack Ma himself has said explicitly that even though they are a, chi- a company based in China, um, they are not just a Chinese company, and hence, therefore, you see all these expansions happening across in Russia, Brazil, and now also in the U.S. And the platforms that they're going to do it through include AliExpress, Taobao, and all also Timo Global. We've just been joined uh, by our producer, Chris Oliver. Chris has some questions also. Yes. Uh, good morning, Lulu. If you're an investor considering taking stakes in Alibaba, how would you look upon the previous listing vehicle that listed in Hong Kong and uh, was delisted in 2012 after a seven-year run? If you're an investor in that stock, you got your money back in the end, but you didn't really make any money. You didn't capitalize on this incredible e-commerce boom in China. Is there something that should come with a, a warning tag here when investing in a Jack Ma company? Well, for that previous IPO, the investors really didn't get much out of that um, investment. Um, but for this time, there are a couple of things that are quite different. First of all, the business that they're listing is very different. Um, the previous one was a B2B unit, so it wasn't the core business of the company. This time, they have listed the entire group. And also, in terms of um, growth, um, China is at a very different moment in, in, in time right now, and this is the phase where you see the explosion of e-commerce and also um, a lot of the business is moving to mobile and that provides a lot of potential for business growth as well. And and there's just a bit of concern among some investors I've spoken to about the issue of Alipay. That was stripped out of this vehicle that was listed in New York. And that was a question that was brought up multiple times during the three-continent two-week roadshow. I think the company did try to address that and Jack Ma also said during the um, roadshow that it was one of his uh, most correct decisions to make, whether investors bought into it. I think the IPO is self-explanatory. It seems that he has um, managed to convince people who want to buy into the company that he will do what's right for the investors this time. So it's um, we'll have to see. Now, Jack Ma's made a lot of people rich. Uh, SoftBank, of course, of Japan had a big stake in them, and Yahoo. And there's been a lot of talk over the weekend that, in fact, Yahoo is uh, the share price is uh, less uh, than the actual stake of um, that they now have in uh, Alibaba, which, which, which you would have thought has to be recovered. Um, but where do you think this wealth is going to go? We've seen in places like Silicon Valley that where great wealth was created, we've had a lot of entrepreneurs come in and build businesses in, in their local areas. And the same has happened in places like England, the Silicon Fen. Um, is that likely to happen in China as well? 
Uh, in terms of money flowing into China, we do see a lot of um, startups in China try, uh, starting to gain attraction from overseas investors, especially from Silicon Valley. Um, the VC market is very um, active in Beijing these days, and you do see a lot of international investors uh, coming to see what kind of companies could be the next potential Alibaba. So I think this is a good point to bring in Barry Wood, our international economics correspondent. Barry, good morning. Barry, are you still waking up? <laughs> no, I'm here. Do you He's hear there. me? We, we hear you now, and we're excited. <laughs> so, uh, Barry, is there as much excitement on the ground in the U.S. as there has been here about Alibaba? Oh, yes. It's, um, it's amazing. Particularly, let's say, among the institutional and professional investors, it's all over Bloomberg, as uh, your colleague in the studio would know, on television. It's all over CNBC. But that has generated immense newspaper coverage, and there's lots of talk about it. People want to find out what this is all about. And they're going to be watching that share price very closely this week. So when it comes to this point of future growth that you know Lulu has been talking about with us, what about the notion that the average investor in the U.S. on ground doesn't really know about Alibaba, or certainly not in the way they know about Amazon and, you know, some of the other uh, e-commerce companies out there. And so if that is the case, they won't really use it. Well, that's certainly true. And I would guess that uh, we have to be many months away from any kind of uh, popular use. This is not going to be an Uber uh, phenomenon, you know, that catches on here in the States. I think it's going to take a lot of education and a lot of uh, public uh, discussion as to how this works. You know, this is a country that knows all about Amazon and knows all about eBay, but this is completely foreign to them. Most Americans look at this as an exciting prospect for a Chinese company to get rich. They know the name Jack Ma, and they know nothing else, really. Uh, Barry, the um, reputation of Chinese companies, who we say has been less than stellar on on the New York market, do you think this uh, Alibaba flotation is going to change that impression? Well, you know, just listening to the comments that uh, you and Chris and Lulu have made, uh, this hasn't made it into the popular debate here in the States at all. Now, there's healthy skepticism about uh, the Chinese economy generally, and particularly about the Chinese banks. But this business about the previous offering in Hong Kong, this would be new to, I dare say, 90% of even the uh, investment people who specialize in the shares. So I think there's going to be a lot of public education go on. The Americans, uh, dare I say, uh, really don't have a clue. Lulu, do you think it's unusual that we have um, such publicity about Alibaba in Asia, and yet in the U.S. there seems to be very little? Well, it's only natural because Alibaba is big in China, but in the U.S. you have your equivalent of Amazon. And before this IPO, Alibaba hasn't really expressed much interest into expanding into the U.S. Um, so it's only a recent initiative that they've only started to really look into this market. And they've been pretty low-key about advertising. Um, so market um, education is something that will they will be needing going forward. 
Lulu, um, in looking at the story of Alibaba on its first day and, you know, where it's going to go in the future, um, what comes to mind perhaps is something like Twitter. Uh, Twitter jumped something like 70% on its uh, first day, and then now it's at around $49. It started off, I think, at 45 40 you know, close to that. Um, is this something like a Twitter? We know it's not like a Facebook, which plunged, but is it like a Twitter? Or does one compare it to a Baidu, which over the course of these five years has exploded, um, has multiplied, I think, maybe five times uh, to something like, Richard, where is it? Two to four. Two to four. And it started out at 39. started out at 39. It's now two to four. But it did start out in September 09, which was obviously pretty weak, weak time in the market. So which one can we compare it to? Well, all of these, even though they're all internet companies, their business models are quite different. Baidu's a search engine, Twitter's social media, and in terms of Alibaba, even though e-commerce is, you know, it's branding, the majority of its revenue right now is still from advertisement. Um, What the company is trying to do is try to generate more uh, revenue contribution from Tmall, where they have more commission-generated revenue. Um, And in terms of where its share prices are going to go, it all depends on how much uh, growth they can deliver in the future and their mobile strategy, which is something that investors have been keenly looking at. Can I just jump in here with a uh, a brief observation? I think what you say about um, uh, what Alibaba has achieved in China and then comparing it, uh, Renita, as you do, to Facebook and uh, others here, uh, Twitter particularly, uh, this is the difference. I mean, everybody in the States, when Twitter was coming out and when Facebook was coming out, wanted to use those services immediately. They wanted to know. Well, the average American is not going to learn anything about Alibaba. I doubt if they even Google Alibaba. They just say it's a Chinese company. Mm. It's divorced from them. So there's a huge amount of work before it catches on here among the public. But you make a good point there, Barry, is that uh, these places with a huge publicity can often lead to people actually investigating and then using the services. That's right, yeah. Just a question, Lulu. You were formerly based in Beijing, and so you have a strong understanding of what goes on on the ground there. Are people really shopping on their mobile phones as much as we gain the impression of them and doing that in Hong Kong? Well, according to some research, people actually shop on their mobile phones. Um, uh, uh, the, the younger generation spends the time that they spend on their mobile phone uh, uh, adds up to maybe one shopping item per day. And, and that is really surprising And when you think about the habits of people um, just a few years ago when everything was predominantly done on a PC basis. Um, Alibaba is seeing and tapping into some of that growth where they're seeing um, the growth on mobile growth exponentially and um, the target probably is to hope that mobile shopping will be larger than PC shopping in the next few years. All right. Thank you, Lulu, for joining us this morning. That is Lulu Chen, a reporter at Bloomberg News. Barry, stay with us for a quick question on G20 before we move to the next segment. Uh, This notion that the G20 possibly sees uh, market risks as uneven growth keeps interest rates low. What are your thoughts on that? Well, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I think this meeting in Cairns was uh, was very significant. Uh, I've just been reading again this uh, ten point communique, which stretches on and on and on in terms of hundreds of words. Uh, yes, I think they're worried about deflation, but let's not forget the first uh, few 
word sentences of the communique we are gratified that growth has picked up in the global economy so it's very mixed just as the g20 is a very mixed uh uh, kettle of very disparate economies. I don't think there's any consensus. I think that uh, I counted 52 people in the in the group photograph in Cannes. That's nice. I think they all had a very nice time. Uh, they covered a tremendous distance to come from Europe and North America. But uh, we shall see. Richard, thoughts? Um, yes, it seems to be. Actually, in a sense, you've got to say it's a good thing. If the G20 can't find anything serious to uh, to, to worry about, then maybe uh, uh, global economies aren't too bad or people can handle things themselves. Um, it always amazes me how they have these great pictures of places like Cannes and not at Buffalo, New York. Um, but I guess there's a reason for that. It's all about what looks good. <laughs> um, Barry, I, I've got a... Uh, a further segue. Um, just we were talking about Alipay um, being pulled out of the Alibaba listing. Um, and this whole issue of payment seems to be very hot at the moment. We saw the iPhone 6 come out in terms of... Um, uh, in, in terms of essentially having a swipe card in it, you can use the payments there. Do you think this is going to change the payments system? I mean, it looks as if Jack Mars maybe put his finger on it, keeping Alipay out, be able to place that again. But also the whole payment system in the U.S. Is there some sort of revolution going on there? I do believe you're right. I mean, you're smack on as far as I'm concerned. Let me give you just a personal anecdote. I went to my bank, which is uh, the ATM machine of uh, Wells Fargo. And there on the welcome screen, it says, would you like to use Apple Pay? It's coming soon. Well, think of it. That means that thousands of people in many companies involved in this Apple payment system were informed and kept secret about what was going to happen. I think this could be a very profound revolution in payments. And if I were Visa and MasterCard, I think I'd be a bit worried because uh, uh, Apple is going to charge to the fore in this. And uh, we shall see. But I think there's something very significant underway. All right. Thank you so much for joining us, Barry. Um, Always a pleasure to speak with you on a Monday morning. All right, that's a great segue into our next segment. We are going to be joined by Lizette Smooks, who is the CEO of Innovations, uh, to talk specifically about how small businesses here in Hong Kong can use payment solution providers like PayPal to sort of ease up their transactions online. Good morning, Lizette. Good morning, Renita. Thanks for joining us on Money for Nothing. You're welcome. So, uh, Lizette, business owners here in Hong Kong are constantly running up against the challenge of how to accept payments for e-commerce or sample orders or even services. The traditional method perhaps has been to accept uh, offline payment through your bank, you know, through HSBC or whoever, you know, whoever your bank might be. Um, but online providers like PayPal appear to be changing the landscape. Is that true? That is absolutely true. There's quite a few uh, competitors to PayPal, but the uh, entrepreneurial community increasingly is looking at ways to optimize the efficiency of payment. If I can uh, drill down a little bit, uh, typically you would order a sample from China and you would uh, dispatch that to your customer abroad. The sample might be only equivalent of about 20 US dollars. Now, typically a bank uh, TT or telegraphic transfer, the, the bank fee is uh, 200 Hong Kong dollars. So most often the TT transfer 
cost exceeds the sample cost. So that is a quite um, inefficient way of operating. So most entrepreneurs who are not yet operating at the scale of Alibaba or the, the, the large uh, dispatch of, of goods really need a, a vehicle of uh, trading in small units and paying the supplier on the one hand and accepting payment from customers on the other hand. Can you put that into an example for us? For example, do you use PayPal for your company, Innovations? I absolutely use PayPal because PayPal is the most widely used one. I can I can talk to anybody about uh, making a transfer through PayPal and uh, the simplicity of using your credit card or using your own PayPal account is uh, is incredible. And why is that? What does PayPal offer that is so easy besides perhaps transaction fees? Well, PayPal is not free, but the fees are significantly lower than that of a TT transfer. For international fees, you pay a very, very small premium. So uh, I think ease of payment, uh, it's used everywhere, and uh, the cost. Richard? Uh, yeah. How much are these um, payment systems going to disintermediate the banks? I mean, they can't do it completely because you need huge systems to run these things. But it's probably going to reduce revenue. It's probably going to drive some of the weakened competitors out of the market. Is this a threat to the banks? I would say it is because uh, the banks, uh, entrepreneurial community, find the banks uh, slow, one, two, the, the the ease of, of doing, you don't have to ask uh, what bank do you bank with in da-da-da-da. You, you, you can just go straight ahead and, uh, and process the payment. Now, what happens when you are accepting transactions from customers in other countries? What about the whole currency exchange risk situation? That is not a risk at all. You, uh, you are paid in your currency. It's converted to your currency, and that's included in your fee. I so see. there's no risk at all. And the, the ears of the bank, the, the money is in your account. You're notified by email and you can actually proceed with dispatching the sample. So as far as you're concerned, you're meaning you, you, the Hong Kong entrepreneur, if you're being paid in Hong Kong dollars, that's what you're going to get regardless. Absolutely. Richard, any other just, questions? I'm uh, just uh, wondering about the possibility of fraud. I don't think we've heard anything uh, associated with the payment systems, but, of course, we have heard a lot of it uh, with retailers with their huge databases maybe going missing. Um, have there been any incidents of fraud in this situation, and what's the likelihood, do you think? Likelihood is not big. There's quite a bit of security built into the system. There's also competitors breathing down PayPal's neck. There's Dwala, who's just come up, who's uh, really performing. And there's also Google Wallet that is uh, gaining momentum. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. That is Lizette Smokes, the CEO of Innovations. Well, we are almost at the 8.30 hour. Let's take a quick look at where the markets are right now before we close. Richard? Markets down uh, around half a percent this morning, not looking particularly strong. The Nikkei at 16,252 and the Australian market is almost flat, just slightly down at 5,426. Again, on the currency markets, we're seeing a tiny bit of US dollar strength this morning. And a quick look at the local weather forecast for today, which will be mainly cloudy and dry. Sunny periods during the day with a maximum temperature of 31 degrees. The temperature right now is 25 degrees Celsius and the relative humidity is 67%. This brings us to the end of Money for Nothing. And I am your host, Renita Malhotra-Hora, along with Richard Harris of Port Shelter Investment Management. 
And it's time for the news with Samantha Butler. Nearly 400 academics and other staff from various tertiary institutions have signed a declaration to support university students who will start boycotting classes today. The week-long boycott is a protest over Beijing's conservative framework for political reform in Hong Kong. The academics urge teachers to avoid having important examinations during the boycott period and to help the students catch up with their studies afterwards. One of the academics who signed the declaration was Dixon Singh from the University of Science and Technology. We are very appreciative of the courage demonstrated by the students. Uh, I think uh, at this critical moment, we teachers should applaud their attempt to translate what they have learned into actions in order to reform Hong Kong society, which is so dangerous, you know, because all our core values and core institutions have been uh, rapidly eroded. A global day of protest against climate change has culminated in New York City, where tens of thousands took part in a march to demand urgent action. Throngs of demonstrators, including celebrities, scientists and world leaders, set off on the three-kilometer route with drums, banners and floats. There were rallies in more than 160 countries, from Australia to Afghanistan. The British fashion designer Vivian Westwood spoke at the London event. If runaway climate change kicks in, there soon, within a generation, won't be much left that is habitable for all life on Earth. It will decline along with the human race. And the suffering is unimaginable. The authorities in Sierra Leone say a 72-hour nationwide curfew to tackle Ebola has been a success and they've decided not to extend it. More than 90 bodies have been retrieved during the lockdown and over 100